0: Those are the wonderful sounds of the Eastern Michigan band. I guess Eastern Michigan band. I don't know. I pulled it off YouTube. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't get in you know copyright trouble for those ten seconds of the beautiful Eastern Michigan fight song. Uh, podcast ain't played nobody. Bill and Godfrey. Godfrey is dealing with a uh, with hotel Wi-Fi, so we'll see how that works. Mm. I am not, so you should at least hear me clearly. Uh, Godfrey, how you doing?
1: I'm um, uh, dealing with hotel Wi-Fi. I'm dealing with a hotel air conditioner that won't stop running. Um, and inevitably, every time we've recorded this show and I've been on the road, I, we will get a visit from some sort of hotel staff member, maid, someone refilling a minibar, you know, or the place will just set on fire.
0: Well, me, meanwhile, the dog that um, insists on coming downstairs with me while I record these, she's, she's been randomly barking at nothing. So nice. we've got a lot of potential obstacles here, but that makes sense. Just because nothing we're about- but professionalism. Uh, well, yeah, and, and we're talking about Eastern Michigan football today. Um, so it would make sense that we're oh, dealing with Austin. Oh, God,
1: obstacles. Bill. Bill,
0: that is terrible. So um, so here's our problem. So we're, we're men of our word for the most part, I, I guess. Um, on this podcast, we are anyway. Um, and we have – we teased a long time ago for a while. We teased the, the, op, the uh, possibility of an Ypsilanti-based – Eastern Michigan-based podcast, just basically to see if we could do it. Um, we've run into a little bit of an issue with that because basically every week since then we've talked about hard jobs, and just last week we posted nine, th- like almost nine thousand words worth of your essays about how to to build ha- how to work with a hard job. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically what the entire premise of Ipsiloni podcast was going to be and we've kind of exhausted the topic it's funny it's um
1: i i was looking at the the previews that you already have out for the mac and a lot of my questions start with or end with other than eastern michigan so i think that's because of their outlier status and and i think because of the fact that you'd be hard-pressed to run into a, you know, a natural-born, hardcore Eastern Michigan fan. They, they, they drew so much interest from us because we're always debating that, you know, what's the, what's the toughest, what's the worst, what's the, you know, all of our negative superlatives with situations in, like, San Jose and Hawaii and Wyoming and all that stuff. But there is something special about that program. I think it's made that much worse because you see the fluidity and potential for success at every other program in that conference. And yeah. that's what's so shocking.
0: Even, yeah, I mean, from even a revenue accurate. standpoint, you know, there are so many ways, which it kind of seems like Eastern Michigan is, is on reasonably equal footing. I mean, clearly not. Clearly there are issues. But there, there's no immediate reason that stands out. There, there's such parity in this conference. Kent State has been almost as bad as Eastern Michigan for the last 10 or 15 or whatever years. And they almost made a BCS Bowl three years ago. Akron just made a bowl for the second time. They won a Mac a decade ago. They were terrible in between, but they still had these little peaks where they were actually somewhere between decent and good. But Eastern Michigan has been incredible. So going back, okay, so they, they, they won under Jim Harkama. They won the 1987 California Bowl. Uh, they beat San Jose State. Sounds like a thriller. They beat them 30, uh, 30 to 27 in front of a, a solid crowd of 24,000. I'm looking at here. Um, they went 10 and 2 that year under Harkama, they went 6 and 3 and 1 the next year 7 3 and 1 the year after that since then here's their win totals 2 3 1 4 5 6 3 4 3 4 3 2 3 3 4 4 1 4 3 0 oh, 2 6 2 2 2 1 Um, they had they did have a six and five in there in 95 they had a six and six in 2011 uh, where i found myself desperately rooting for them because they'd been that was the closest they'd been in forever uh they they didn't make a they didn't technically reach bowl eligibility because they had two wins over fcs teams they lost via last second field goal to ball state uh that knocked them out of bowl eligibility and that was that in the last four years they've won seven games ron ron english was driven like publicly insane by uh coaching Eastern Michigan but for five years I'm pretty sure he was pretty crazy before too um but uh, you know Chris Creighton has come in and he's like just on paper he seems to be making the right moves he's attempted to kind of you know, hashtag brand the program a little bit, even if it's by making a gray field, it's still publicity. It's still a brand of sorts. They have the whole factory thing. They've got, you know, he, he has won at smaller programs before programs that didn't really have much of a history. He won, he won games at Drake. He won games in Ottawa and Wabash. Um, like he seems to have a pretty unique resume here and he's slowly built a program. He's got a pretty good quarterback now and he's won three games in two years. Um, it's really, really hard to, uh, I mean, even if they do things right here, it's going to, it's going to, you, maybe this is a third year breakthrough situation. I wrote in my preview that, you know, most of the time, if you break through, it's by your third year. Uh, this might right. need a fourth year if it happens at all, I think. This is so, so optimistic on both of our parts.
1: I, I mean, we don't think you take any joy when you talk about. Imagine if they don't, and then you just go another two years of, of floating around that four win number, and they just keep starting over. Um, let me transition out of Eastern Michigan a little bit and ask you a question. Okay. I think when when we say hey, we're going to do the MAC, and I was talking to somebody this week and, and saying oh, where's Bill at? Was previously We're oh, all we're talking about the MAC. Um, two things came up, and uh, one is more of a coachy thing we'll talk about in a second. But the first one is. Um, Can you, Bill, explain to me numerically, and there's a lot of stuff that that doesn't involve stats or or hard numbers, but is there a numerical pattern or rhythm to exactly why there's so much ebb and flow in this conference? Is it just so reliant on coaching? Well, yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me to look at the, the careers that are launched in the MAC. And that was sort of the coaching thing that I was asked about was, do you think it's better to be a coach in the MAC or the Sunbelt, CUSA, etc.? And I, I, I'm kind of hard-pressed not to say the MAC because they have such a history of being that perfect springboard. And you don't have to go to another job in the region. You can go to, you know, we've seen it. You can go pretty much anywhere in the country. Um, it, it's just there's something about the way that the conference is organized, the way the talent is organized, um, that it just... It's insane. It's just, it's so funny because my first thought is like when you told me last week we were doing the Mac, I thought, well, all right, let's see what Bowling Green's going to do this year because they just, they're the latest program to explode, have the big national spotlight, lose their coach to an FBS job, and then assuming that they they will now start to regress and then that cycle will, will, you know, allow for another program to pop up for a little while.
0: I mean, yeah, it's, I think the biggest thing here is just pure talent. There is, you know, <laughs> Eastern Michigan aside, we'll say that a few times. Um, I think just when you think about the pool of available talent in the region, uh, it you know, maybe you win this recruiting cycle and you lose the next, this coach, you know, it's going to be based so much on whether you're the next hire you make, because you're making one about every three years um, that if the next guy is good. He he gets a he wins a few recruiting battles. You have slightly more talent, or you get a Dan Lefever, um, kind of that that out of nowhere Ben Roethlisberger Dan Lefever type of talent that'll carry you for a few years. But yeah, I mean it's it is a AAA thing. Like we, I went to a Bowling Green home game of what 03 when they were playing Missouri, and you know everywhere you look there's um, a flagpole with a bowling green flag and an Ohio state flag on top of it. Like the bowling I mean, it's, it's a, it is a triple A thing and, and you get called, you, you succeed in triple A, you get called up to the big 10 or, or wherever. Um, and you know, that's fine. That's, you know, life's pretty good. Life's not bad in the Mac right now. They had, you know, I'm doing them now, like I've said before, because, you know, I, I do the conferences in order of average, uh, S and P plus rating, I've already done the Mountain West, I've already done Conference USA, I've already done Sunbelt. on average, they were better than those conferences last year.
1: Um oh, my, I, I mean, I I would point out that it's that they're not the only springboard conference. And I and I'm I'm trying to pay a compliment to how transient that the whole situation is. I would take a Mac job over a Sunbelt job over a CUSA job almost any day of the week, I guess maybe except for eastern Michigan for whatever snake bit <laughs> reason.
0: I, I would say that um you know, maybe because talent levels are so close together, uh, just generally, because you're fighting over the same guys in the same region, and there's it's not even a big region. There's not a humongous pool of talent there, because talent is so uh, equal from school to school for the most part. Maybe that creates a situation where the experienced teams are the ones that break through. And so if you're a coach, if you're a good coach, not even a great coach, but if you're a good coach, you're around for three years, one of those years you're going to have, or three or four years, one of those years you're going to probably have a a team that if you're if you're mining your P's and Q's is going to be pretty, uh, you know, junior and senior heavy. And then you're going to win with those guys because you're a little, you you guys are a little smarter, a little more experienced than other teams. So you get to eight or nine wins, you win a bowl game or whatever, uh, then you're going to look attractive. Uh, to, you know, so maybe there is something to that. Maybe because of the parity thing, experience matters, and you can just maybe that creates a, a better environment for at least you having one good year. Um, I mean, we, we've seen many times guys wait too long, uh, you know, Gary Darnell at Western Michigan, et cetera. Um, so there is still, well, limbo, obviously, at Ball State, maybe. Um, yes. You know that maybe the cycle is friendly to these guys, and they stick around too long, and then they have to start over. Limbo got bitten basically by the fact that he didn't have a quarterback. You know, he lost um, he lost a really good one a couple years ago. He basically had freshmen and sophomores each of the last two years. It was kind of settling itself, kind of like the LSU situation. and they just the, the offense regressed and, and exposed the fact that he's never really had a good defense there. So suddenly the offense wasn't dynamic enough to account to win shootouts, and, and their win total plummeted. And you know now he's the special teams coordinator at Maryland. So um, there might be something to the cycles thing.
1: Let me let me change course on the entire philosophy of this program, and instead of asking you about terrible teams, ask you about really good ones. What? Um, I know it's just going to be very hard to process. I'm not prepared. As we creep closer and closer to the actual season where we have to start talking about like really good football teams, it's going to be so uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so as much as we want to stay on Eastern Michigan and Ball State and UMass and all that, uh, well, I guess UMass is out. But uh, Bowling Green, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, kind of the class of the conference, um, probably the most impressive sort of jump out of nowhere. I don't know if it was out of nowhere, but just looking at an 8-5 and five Akron team, um, and, and having talked to those coaches a little bit and knowing what they, what they had what they didn't have when they got in there, that's pretty impressive to me. Um, the uh, Bowling Green, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. Um, Toledo. Okay, you want to throw Toledo in there? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's actually part of my question. Is, um, it, I don't want to ask you just to break it down, but who's your conference winner without spoiling your previews, and is Bowling Green set for the automatic regression because they lose the
0: coach to the Power 5 job? um well first of all uh this is a problem i run into when asked about like um sec teams in may i haven't done my homework on all these teams yet uh i've set up the previews for the next couple of days i'm i'm in the process of finishing the setup for friday's western michigan piece i've not actually done toledo or bowling green yet um, but you know but now just to take readers completely
1: behind the curtain like when you set out on a conference, you know when you start, this is the last team, and then I'm going to go to the first. Well, team, I right? mean that's you based know. on
0: that's based on last year's proje- uh, finish, not okay, not this year's numbers uh, or, or anything like that. I, and I have my projections, obviously, which is a it, which is a kind of a cheat sheet, um, right? For you know, for that. So yeah, I mean yeah, I, I mean I kind of have an idea here. I would say. I mean, I like Toledo, Bowling Green, I believe Matt Johnson's coming back. If I read that right, he got the medical red shirt. So he's coming back. Um, they hired another spread guy. So that all seems to kind of make sense a little bit. I know they lost Gary Dieter um, this year's um, Alabama receiver graduate transfer uh, like uh, Mulaney was last year. So, I mean, I would assume that they're still okay. Not spectacular but but okay I, I think I like Toledo I, I really actually I'm finding myself liking Central Michigan a lot that preview goes up today um, and they were basically ahead of schedule a year like last year they had the new coach who didn't have any you know bonamego who had no um, head coaching experience he, he dealt with cancer during uh, two a days uh, with cancer cancer radiation uh announced oh. in november he was radio uh was cancer free but they they just overall they had those obstacles they had a lot of youth they had some turnover and then they actually looked really really good for a good portion of the year at least in them i mean they were they lost by two at western michigan they win that game and they win the, the mac west so i think they're in the conversation this year i like them a lot uh western michigan i mean fleck i love that he's still there I love that he's kind of taking his time a little bit and, and not settling for some, you know, a power conference job just because it's a power conference job. And he seems to be really just building layers of talent with the recruiting he does. So
1: at this point, Bill, I would I would safely call him the Chad Morris of MACAD coaches. The way Chad Morris was offered every not so great head job when he was the OC at Clemson. I think PJ Fleck has been offered every bad job north of the mason dixon at least twice (laughs) and he's still there (laughs) and bully for him for staying uh for hanging on and rowing that boat because uh i think maybe it's this year and i I don't say that knowing like a particular job in the back of my head but this guy has been judicious in in what he's turned down in terms of short-term money
0: and i mean you can see in his again this still has to translate into further results they managed to blow the west last year they had it uh, and then they blew it against Northern Illinois and Northern Illinois just kind of stumbled right into another division title. Um, and then lost. As they do. Yeah. And then they lost their quarterbacks and looked absolutely terrible the last two weeks, uh, last two games of last year. So and I use another team that I, I really I mean, I like uh, I think this is going to be a really fun race. I called Central Michigan a, a, a major West contender in, in today's preview. And I was like, well, Hell, should I have done that? Because I like Toledo, I like Northern Illinois, I like Western Michigan too. That's going to be kind of a bloodbath, the way it was last year. Um, I really, in the East, uh, Akron's probably going to fall back this year, and so I, don't, I, I would assume that unless Bowling Green just falls apart, uh, Bowling Green's the team that to beat on that side of the conference. We got not that it's always this way, but right now the MAC is very, very unbalanced with you know four good teams in the in the West and one in the East, and. I, his, I struggle to, um, to figure out, like, but maybe Ohio. I could talk myself into Ohio, but otherwise it's Bowling Green. Okay. I've got a couple schedules pulled
1: up, and I did look at this before we went on the air, so that's dangerously close to actually preparing for this podcast. I won't tell anybody. Every year, the casual tailgater in the SEC, the big well, maybe not the Big Ten because there, it's, it's a backyard situation, you know, SEC Big 12, Pac-12, let's say. You, you throw out and kind of laugh about, oh, hashtag Maction, would you see that September upset that you didn't see coming because you didn't care enough to look? Yeah. What we are going to do as a service here today is I'm going to throw a couple matchups through Bill. And before you think, well, Bill just said he doesn't even have his previews done, and how the hell would he know this? I do this to Bill all the time. <laughs> um, because I'm insane and weird about my travel budget at SB Nation, sometimes I will, I will just ping Bill and ask him, uh famously this started a couple of years ago when i said hey do you think kansas state could beat auburn and i asked him that in like june and that was the determinant on whether or not i was going to fly to kansas
0: state i did and you were wrong I, I, but oh yeah they came close right. i didn't say i said could not would <laughs> i also said uh georgia southern could beat west virginia so that one
1: well d- well that, that was actually assigned to me by the enthusiasm of our entire college football <laughs> staff Who still having ptsd um okay I'm going to throw a couple of these out at you. Now, some of these I'm going to mention, but I don't want these to be, to be candidates. So for instance, pretty decent game that actually starts season like Toledo at Arkansas state, because it's a Sunbelt team, no one's going to notice who wins that game. So like that's worth watching for in terms of mid-major football, but I'm going to throw a couple matchups with big time programs. in. you tell me which one is the most likely to sort of pop in terms of not necessarily upset, but have that hashtag action Mm -hmm. type of feeling. Um, I like Bowling Green at Memphis, and it's in the Liberty Bowl on Saturday, September 24th. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. Western Michigan. Now, here's the tricky thing with Western Michigan. They have a – they're at Illinois. If they win that game, it, it's because they should. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have, so them at, gonna... I have them at 47% to win that game, so that's, that's a toss-up. It's Okay, already... yeah. right. Uh, and then same
1: situation kind of like with the Arkansas State, that they have a home game against Georgia Southern. I'll throw that out. Um, I'm going to go Western Michigan at Northwestern in week two. One, week one. Oh, week one, I'm sorry. Week one, yeah, you're right. Um, And then Toledo. I already did Toledo. Okay, does this count if I say Toledo at BYU? Do you think that counts?
0: Uh, That's a tricky one. I'm the one who talks at BYU all the time, so I guess I have to say yes.
1: Um, Okay, and then my last one is... And, again, this is borderline in terms of noticing on a national level. But Northern Illinois at USF, really a huge must-win, I think, could – oh, my God. USF wins that game. They're, they will most likely be at 3-0. Oh. If they lose that game, it's going to set them up for, I think, probably because Taggart's kind of floating around that 7-8 win range. If he drops to 5-6, I mean, that's a difference of millions of dollars and a lot of job interviews. I'll put it that way. Um, <laughs> who do we like in an upset here? I know this is reductive and stupid, but I'm kind of trying to take the whole Mac thing and, and give you that early forecast versus just sort of just talking about the Mac. I want to place it
0: in context of power five. Um, the Western Michigan Northwestern one entices me because, um, (laughs) I mean, number one, you know, just personally, my numbers hated Northwestern and I caught a lot of hell for it. So I really wouldn't mind seeing, um, them pull off. Uh... Ooh, hashtag bias. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Western Michigan Northwestern is going to be a nice test because I mean, you know, Western Michigan last year, they had another good year. There was their second straight year where they were suddenly more talented than everybody in the Mac. Uh, and they, they won a bunch of games. They, they blew the one they needed to win to win the division. Um, uh, but in the meantime, like with all this, you know, you know, they, another decent, you know, what, eight and five record. They looked okay against uh, Ohio state for, you know, that was a relatively competitive game. They also, uh, they fell behind. If I remember right, they fell behind against Michigan state and, and didn't look all that great. Uh, ended up only losing by 13, but it was never, ever any in question really. And then they just got their doors blown off by Georgia Southern. So um, a fast start to the season could be very, very big for them. Um and, and so I'm really curious then how they, you know, how they handle somewhat the expectations where they're probably expected to beat either Northwestern or Illinois, at least one of the two. And, and we'll see like, that's a, that's going to be a really telling
1: game. Uh, do you want to throw Central Michigan into this upper crust?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess I did. So yeah. Okay. Um, I, they are at Oklahoma
1: state. Yep. Don't know if I want to call that. No. Feel like don't, don't feel like that could happen. Um, but they are also at UVA.
0: Yeah. And that was obviously kind a, of
1: merit. A, yeah. Like I don't know what kind of sizzle you get if you beat UVA, but I do, I don't know if you earn the national whoa, action type right. type reaction we're looking for, but maybe.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, um, let's see, my numbers right now have them at 32% to win that game. And that's with what I think is kind of, they're kind of under projecting CMU a little bit. So, um, it would be an upset, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they beat Oklahoma State, but I think they could certainly, if, if if Bronco's kind of having, you know, year zero issues there, which I, I, you know, I haven't done Virginia yet, but I have the feeling he's going to be inheriting a, a kind of a base of talent that he might be able to work with. Um, but no, I mean. My thing, my th-
1: specifically with Central Michigan, um, the trouble that they had filling their head coaching position, uh, if, if they were to pull off any kind of upset against any one of these teams, even – you know, well, I wouldn't say even UNLV, but um, it, you know, they are a testament to the strength and the quality of the conference. When, when you know, you basically you lose your head coach, who was I think an alumnus, uh, Danny Enos, to an offensive an offensive coordinator gig in the SEC because he was frustrated with the administration to come back and sort of rebuild with really having no equity in in terms of like, I mean, coaches were talking about that job. It was just. People were embarrassed for how bad that situation was. If you came back a couple of years later and beat one of these teams, that would be monumental. That would be, I think, the most like core Maxion thing possible.
0: Yeah, they signed a recruiting class last year without a head coach, and it wasn't bad. Like they had like five or six two, four, seven, three star guys. Um, Pretty amazing. And and then yeah, I mean, like I said, Bonamigo, you know, there's nothing sa- ever that you can kind of use to pre- predict who's going to succeed and who isn't, unless you know you're like Nick Saban or something. Um, but I did not see, I was not optimistic about the hire. Maybe it was just because of how hard it was to get a hire in there in the first place. Uh, but then with what he goes through in the off season, uh, for them to be, I mean, they went six and two in the Mac that, I mean, they really did. They, they turned it on. I'm, my one question with them and, you know, not to spoil the preview that I'm sure everybody's going to read. Um, mm-hmm. the one kind of one of the interesting potential trends there was, you know, they played four power conference teams, um went 0-4, looked pretty bad, got out gained by like a yard per play. Um and then against everybody else, they went seven and two. They outgained opponents by one point two yards per play. Um they were able to stay close on the scoreboard because they slowed everything down and 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 kind of muddied the waters a little bit, but they they might be one of those where they, you know they're a welterweight who they fight w- well against other welterweights, and so maybe Virginia is just too physical, et cetera, and they don't do very well. But we'll see. Uh, one thing that we can't we can't let go unnoticed
1: is, um, I, I would say a small amount of regression in terms of the wacky Mac scheduling. Um, they they have there have been rumblings inside college football for a while about how uh, detrimental these like early weeknight games are to programs, to student-athletes, to coaches, recruiting cycle, blah, 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 like everything. Okay, everybody kind of hates him except the networks and except us because to those who with no affiliation to a said program, um, the fact that the Mac became famous for playing like really anytime you wanted them to the fact that the uh, you know, this is a big issue that's 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 bubbling up in the American Athletic Association or American Athletic Conference right now is, is ESPN two wants to stake them on Friday nights, but in a lot of those markets, Friday nights in in cities like Houston and and you know, Miami and Tampa, like there's that that belongs to high school football. You know, that, that actually that actually hurts the programs playing even though they get a national stage because they, they essentially lose the ability to go out to some of these high school games and make their presence known in the community. It also hurts the draw at the stadium. Um, I, over the last couple of years, it's been written about a couple times. The MAC has tried to dial it back a little bit on the number of Tuesday, Wednesday games that they play. Um, what you've seen in their place is the Sunbelt stepping in because the Sunbelt kind of wants that Mac shine, so yeah. to speak. Um, there's a couple Appalachian State and Arkansas State and Georgia Southern games this year. But I scrolled through the schedule, and, I, and the first Tuesday-Wednesday game in the Mac isn't until November 1st. Yeah, um, yeah that's they what start, they
0: usually do with the Mac is November.
1: Yeah. Well, if you remember back, it was earlier than that right. and more frequent. And I think – I don't know if it was one particular coach, but – Basically, the, the complaints bubbled and bubbled, and, and the problem that they had was that half the conference was playing either on Tuesday, Wednesday, and half was playing on Saturday. So the, the scheduling turnarounds were a nightmare, um, let alone, like, coaches being creatures of habit and wanting a particular structure and routine.
0: Oh, yeah, Just it kills, it kills have, two weeks, yeah. You can't... Yeah,
1: I mean, the fa- right, the fact you have teams coming off of... Essentially, you're going to deal with three things. Teams playing the weeknights, teams playing the weekends, pairing those back up, plus teams coming off buys, and then teams playing, like the, the kind of, uh, you know, the check game against an Ohio State or against a, you know, Michigan State or something like that. So um, it, they are still on November. There's I feel like, and I'd have to go back, Bill, and actually count it up, there are less and less games that are being played on weeknights. That is good. Everything I just said I, I would stand by. I, it does make me a little sad, though, as like the super selfish college football <laughs> viewer. Yeah. Because we all get this mode about like two weeks before Thanksgiving of, gosh, the season is so short, it's so finite, I want to suck up as much college football as I can. Everybody, even before I had this job and before I was back in college football media, back in sports writing, I'm sure you had the same feeling. In November, you know things are about to end and you you will you will invest heavily in watching a bad Mac game on a Tuesday because you know college football has such a short shelf life. And... I get both sides of this. Like, it's one of these arguments where I feel really bad about criticizing ESPN because I'm the specific person that they're targeting. You know, it's like, talk to a loved one or watch something on Netflix or no, 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 no. No, 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 Here's Northern Illinois and Ohio. You're going to watch this instead and you're going to tweet about it and you're going to prop up our brand.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess, you know, my willingness, um, my snobbishness when it comes to games, at the beginning of the year... There is no it's, – it's just let it all in. You know, Georgia State's playing on, on Friday afternoon uh, before uh, – of opening weekend. Yes, I will watch every play of that game. Um, that same game happens on like a Thursday night in October. I have no interest whatsoever. But then, yeah, then you start to get desperate. You start to see – well, and, you know, the thing about November too, I guess maybe, you know, first world problems or whatever with the job that – the jobs we have and, and, you know, the fact that I have to ra- – that I rank teams and say, you know, you're no good and blah, blah, blah – I get yelled at a lot in November. It's not a lot of fun in November, um, but nobody yells at, at me about Tuesday Night Action. Uh, that's so that, true. That's that's okay. a, that's uh, frequently a fun thing to tune into because I mean, uh, you know, last year especially for a couple of years there, it was you know hashtag Action. The games weren't any fun. <laughs> uh, last year they were actually pretty fun again. Um, so just just as an example of what I'm talking about, and this is. Oh man, it's just as
1: like the as the resident investigative guy and the whole crusader for truth journalism guy, which I am. It just I'm such a hypocrite because I look at this slate. So like the second week of November, there's two MAC games on a Tuesday night. Ball State and Kent State have home games. Then on Wednesday night, Toledo and Northern Illinois are playing at the White Sox Stadium. <laughs> Why? Makes no sense whatsoever. Totally random. But Let's I support just it. Do it. Yep. There's another Akron has a home game. Then on Thursday. Georgia Southern, Duke, and Arizona State have home games. And then on Friday, BC is at Florida State. Yeah, that's You've got me. You've got me. <laughs> there is no television show in the world that I will binge for that many hours, that many nights in a row, and yet you've got me. But,
0: by the way – So then
1: I go, to, I go to these media events, Bill, and these coaches talk about, oh, how we devalued you know, the emphasis on the student part of student athlete. And I'm like, I know. It's so terrible. They're making all this money. And then my, my dumb ass has the Watch ESPN app open.
0: <laughs> By the way, a digression, um, we just, uh, speaking of of Netflix, among other things, we just, uh, you know, rest in peace, our DVR box, uh, our main cable box died yesterday, or Sunday, uh, t- taking with it about 40 recordings, I think, uh, about 35 of them were the wife's um, Arrow, iZombie, uh, whatever that 's called hero legends of tomorrow or whatever that that like group superhero thing that wasn 't very good um, <laughs> and and you know on and on and on and on, so basically the, the last night we had no choice but to start binging on a couple of shows that we, we meant to start watching a long time ago on Netflix um Mind of a chef and British Bake off uh, they are spectacular, mind of is great yeah, mind of a chef's awesome
1: this is uh um, if you really want to if we want to go from a ditch to a gully. <laughs> I think I've talked about this on the show at least twice. How much would you pay out of pocket as a monthly utility fee to stream games on demand? Oh for the yeah, last let's just say let's just say fifteen years.
0: Huh. A decent for amount. What you
1: and I do for what you and I do, or just any casual fan to go to a, a drop down menu on a Netflix, like from your from your browser, pull up SEC, pull up Big Twelve, you know, pull up whatever colonial it doesn't matter and and just be able to watch the replay of the game with no finite window no ownership crap and i know like you can do that for a certain amount of time on watch espn but the app is kind of trash and the ui is kind of trash and it doesn't always want to load to have a giant bank or resource of games like that i mean i would pay 50 dollars a month for that
0: (laughs) now i will say that's that's especially if we're talking about like the last three years that's basically youtube now um, it's getting harder right. and harder to not find a game I'm looking for on YouTube, but they ran, they do randomly disappear uh, because of whatever copyright et cetera. So, um, what was Missouri's game best game last year? Uh, <laughs> wait, the best game last year does not compute. Um, like, uh, like BYU, do, do BYU? Game. BYU, I was there. BYU, Missouri, right. Missouri,
1: 2015. I got highlights, highlights, Tennessee versus Missouri, <laughs> whole game. Ooh, wow. Someone put 30 minutes of BYU and Connecticut online <laughs> because they're a terrorist. All right, uh, let's go with Missouri. Let's see if the Yukon game is on. Oh. oh, my God. It is. Oh, my God. YouTube, YouTube username, Tim Bliss, yep. you are a sick son of a bitch four hundred twenty three views too. two hours and three minutes that means he edited it down let, let's fu- i think we need to have tim bliss on the show
0: oh there are a few guys what kind of oh i'm, I'm <sighs> trying to think let me pull up uh, my subscriptions here uh since yeah we are totally in the ditch now i <sighs> there there are a couple people i subscribe to that uh, that they have i mean this is what they do they they find a game they post yeah. it and they have hundreds and hundreds of games um that are some of which are, are at least reasonably close to being as depressing as that one. Well, I have a 500
1: gig hard drive that well, it was external, and I'm about to create an internal drive into a Mac Mini of just games that yeah. have, that either either games I wanted to keep, games I've loved that I've seen a thousand times, or games like I just for as an example, I have an inordinate amount of South Carolina games because I wrote two different features for Expedition about Davy on Clowny. Oh yeah. So and I think what Tiny Richardson for Tennessee like I wrote specific I wrote a long feature about a matchup and so I have all these full South Carolina games because I had to go drive by drive because we don't get access to coaches film. Right. So I have all that sitting on a hard drive but the the kind of the kind of depraved human being that captures with video so like so this guy has has like cable HD streaming he's capturing the video of Yukon and Missouri and then he doesn't immediately say so you know what this whole college football fandom thing, it has a limit, and this is the limit, and this is the moment in which I don't continue to propagate madness, so, but no, instead, this guy edits, edits it and puts it on the internet.
0: Which, you know, think about how, just the upload time for that. Um, so, I found one, a uh, man named Stephen Barnett. He has 3,800 YouTube subscribers. Uh, in the last week, he has uploaded 2003 NC State, Florida State. 1999 Sun Bowl between Minnesota and Oregon. Uh, Full games. Um, 1985 Notre Dame-Purdue, which I'm marking because I'm damn sure going to watch. Um, 1994 Clemson-Florida State. Two weeks ago, Virginia Tech-Miami 2000, which was uh, – I'm marking that one. Um, He has 1988 West Virginia-Cincy. 1990 pitt -Pitt miami 83, Miami, Florida State. Holy crap. I haven't looked at this guy's account in a while. Um, yeah, this is what he does, like a few a week, and, and he just – he has them. Tim Bliss, 2013 Alabama-Auburn, 2015 North Dakota State-Montana, 2015 Alcorn State-Georgia Tech. So are you thinking what I'm thinking here with this YouTube
1: stuff? Probably probably need to do a new homework assignment. Except this time no one has to write anything, and we don't have to read anything, Okay. So it's like a good public school education. We're just going to put a video on while the teacher puts his head down on the desk. All right? I want you guys to find the most atrocious full, full game on YouTube. And now we've already found Yukon, Missouri from last year. So the bar has been set almost impassively high. I, I don't know if, if you can exceed my expectations here. But I really like our listeners, and,
0: and I, I have hope. So, what's the plan here? So, when they find it, we're gonna like it's gonna be like, no, we're
1: just gonna all we're gonna do is build a clickbait post. You guys are gonna see how the magic magic happens at SBNationBlog.com. You are going to dig up the worst game that you can find on YouTube, maybe Vimeo if it's out there. Um, or you know what? I'll even go Daily Motion, I'm crazy. And let just send us a link. All you have to do is send us a link. I mean, if it's bad enough, you, you won't need to tell us why. There's no reason to justify your response. I mean, if I say 2015, Yukon, Missouri, all you do is retch a little bit, maybe gag a little bit. You don't have to write anything. And then we'll round up the best ones that we can find. And then what
0: I'd really like to do is get in touch with the users,
1: the actual what people, could, the people. What we can who do here
0: it. is, um, well, obviously we can't have a three-hour podcast. Well, no. I guess we couldn't. Um, Where you could do like a Wizard of Oz um, Pink Floyd thing where you just hit play on our podcast at the same time. You hit play on YouTube, uh, and we watch along, like Mystery Science Theater and shit. We could do that. We might do that just with Yukon and Missouri. Um, Uh, No, no, I'm not watching that game again. I was there. I was in the building. I'm not watching that game again.
1: I was in Miami (sighs) driving around with Uncle Luke that day, so I probably had a better Saturday than you did. Yeah, yeah, you probably did. This is where – now by the way, this is just where – this is what happens when you talk about the Mac. This
0: is, this is the depravity, the madness. Um, so now we're going to transition, I think, to a topic that people might actually like because this is our show. We, we, we put the really interesting parts way deep into the program where nobody's paying attention anymore. Um, Godfrey, I have a feeling you might want to rant a little bit about Georgia State Legislature, and I kind of do too. Um, but I'll let right, you start. Where, uh, which, which part are you hitting it at so we don't, we don't overlap? Um, well, my, my general premise right now uh, is that I hate every state legislature for any number of reasons. Solid. Um, but they mind their own business, and they don't butt into making me hate my sport, too. Uh, Georgia has <laughs> blurred those lines, with a a stupid Freedom of Information Act law where the where the lieutenant governor openly blatantly says, "I hope this win, lets us win or helps us win a national title."
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I was really uh, kind of reactionary and did my whole pissed off redneck bit when this first came out. Um, I am a Georgian by birth and by lineage and all that kind of stuff. Um, I haven't spent most of my life there, but my extended family is there. I consider Myself to be from Georgia, um, if not in a social aspect and just sort of in the the practice and the sort of just the way I was brought up, uh, all that being said, it was insanely stupid to do this. If only because people like me view this as a drunk kind of spitting at you, spitting on you in a bar, and, and you're the kind of person who likes to fight, and I'm the kind of person who likes to fight. We had, to have, we had a, a big SB Nation summit where all the people had to go around a table. It was like a team building exercise and talk about the old guidance counselor thing of um, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? And the, the whole exercise is designed to get you to work on what you're most passionate about. And I said I like to pick fights. You know, everybody had a different answer. Every, like it was completely, uh, uh, you know, Spencer Hall and Jason Kirk and Matt Brown, people we've had on the show before, Bud Elliott. Everyone had a different answer, and mine was that I like to pick fights, and and I do, and and I'm not alone in that. There are people who work in the kind of media that I I dabble in that are sort of by trade look at big nasty institutions and conspiracies and um, things that affect consumers and labor and that kind of stuff, and and they want to go they want to go hit them in the face. And so this my first reaction was very visceral to kind of the dumb drunk frat boy of like oh you want to go you want to go let's go (laughs) um and since then it's been it's been much more i i just can't help but laugh now i've calmed down a little bit on this whole this 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 restriction of the open records law if you don't know what we're talking about it's all over the internet we've written about it everyone has um i'm just more curious at this point what the hell the Georgia State Legislature thinks this is going to do in terms of like a win loss impact? Like, what's what's the war? What's the wins over replacement for, for turning <laughs> Georgia's open records policy into a ninety day um, a ninety day window of response? I don't understand what part of the machine that is Southeastern Conference football this aids the most because if something happens, we, if, if, let me just say this: we're going to be FOIAing Georgia. We at SB Nation, we in the college football media, ad, ad nauseum, more so than we ever have. So what? they're not going to get away with anything. We're going to find out about it later. Yeah. Uh, but, if, but if anything, they've, they've put a target on their back for us to push and, and pick and, and work, and, and, and you've essentially drawn all the attention to you on purpose, I guess. Um, they're not going to win a national title – by doing something scandalous or illegal, that, that a 90-day FOIA window is going to really help at all. So I'm just a little curious now that I've calmed down about it, what the hell they think this is going to do to help them. Also, I would point out that this is not the practice that happens in the state of Alabama where Kirby Smart came from, the program it came from. you know. And if you didn't know this, if you're not from Georgia, you're not a Georgia fan, the fetish, fetishization, fetishizing of Alabama – the the Alabama football program to Georgia fans is at an all time high. They, you know, I know that like it, it was very in vogue to hire Nick Saban assistants for a long time. Georgia could not wait to get rid of one of the most consistent, successful, and reputable coaches in the entire game to try and mimic Alabama as much as they could, and that's what they got. They got an alumnus. Um, it, it, it blows my mind why they think that they can become the Alabama of the SEC East. They cannot for a variety of reasons, but um, this was coming. However, none of this stuff, none of this weird underhanded stuff in the legislature, when it comes to open records laws, this doesn't happen in Alabama. They probably don't need to. They probably would just have you executed on site. I've dealt with Alabama (laughs) a lot in some investigations, but um, this is just, it's unprecedented. Um, The fact that we have public statements about this, saying that it was done to help a college football team, and by the way,
0: not tech,
1: Okay. Right, I know um,
0: that's that's my favorite part. There's a tech grad somewhere yeah. in the legislature saying, "Um, not us." Yeah, not not tech, not state, not southern.
1: Um, you know, not Valdosta. Let let's, you know, this is done. This is done for the the big flagship fan school. Um, and I still just can't figure out exactly why. I'm a lot calmer now. Had had we had this conversation when this broke a, a weekish ago, it would have been much more like I'm coming and I'm bringing hell with you, And, you know. <laughs> I just and in a way, we are. We're, we're, you know, we've decided to do a couple things that are going to take probably upwards of half of a year to accomplish because of this stupid rule. But we're going to do them, um, and everyone has their eye out for Georgia now, which is um, probably a really stupid thing to do. But uh, you know, uh, the one thing I'm probably still kind of visceral angry about is that Kirby Smart has all this done behind closed doors and then does the all shucks coach routine. When asked about it, I'm just, I just want to talk about football. That kind of stuff makes me want to peel my skin off. Um, He obviously instigated this. He obviously has the power structure within the Georgia legislature to make this happen. At least own up to it. You know, I feel like Saban would own up to it. I feel like Meyer would own up to it. So um, also for a guy getting this, you know, getting favors, getting legislation passed in a state, as a favor, his win-loss record is zero as a head coach. So maybe, maybe Georgia fans and Georgia fans in the legislature were a little presumptive here. Yeah, by the way, I mean, by the way, I just, I just want to cap this off before you start talking about saying, now I hope Mark Rick wins five
0: national titles in a row at Miami. Yeah, I, I, that's a basically exactly what I was about to say. I, you know, this this, <laughs> this pushes every button that I have. You know, just not only you know, I, I don't send the the, the FOIA request. That's that's you guys, and, and so I just kind of watch the process. And so that that's, I mean, they slowed it down. The, the, you know, they still have to respond to the requests technically. Um, so it doesn't really change anything too much in that regard. But no, like they 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 fired a coach uh, who was only winning 9 games a year with class. Um, for a guy who would work with the legislature to change laws to help them win football games. You better you better win. I mean that's that's it. If 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 9 or 10 wins a year was not enough for Mark Rick to keep his job. And and I realized they didn't that he didn't hit that bar every single year, but this very year where he got fired uh, and their offense fell apart, they went 10 and 3. Uh, they went 10 and three the year before. They went 12 and two in 2012, 10 and four in 2011. If that's not enough, then I, Kirby Smart better win 11 games every year. He, he better be fired if he goes two years without winning 11 games because that's where you've set the bar here with this, with this ridiculousness. And you've, you've, you, <laughs> I, I, I just asked for one thing from, from awful, awful state legislators, and they're all terrible. Well, okay, 90% of them are terrible. Um, that gives me a little wiggle room, like just ma- when you're going to do something this ridiculously blatant, lie to me about it. Don't tell me it's because you want to win football games, because that's worse. I, I, you're you're sp- <laughs> I anyway anyway so no yeah. you got to keep going. You, look, no, I mean that's that that's, that's that's just basically you you gotta you you've got you gotta lie to me about it. I all I ask from. with state legislatures is that they keep their awfulness to themselves and don't reach over into my sport about it. Um, I realize that college football is like anything else. Like that's the one thing I think you, you start to learn over time is that no matter what it is that you want to love as, as your entertainment or your, your whatever, um, whether it's a, a sport or music or movies or whatever, awful people are behind it making a lot more money than they should. Um, and so you kind of have to yeah, pick your much. spots. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty yeah, much. I, there, you, you there's
1: just, very little difference in terms of the purity of entertainment when you, when you trickle up the, the incestuousness and the, the, the evil motivation. College football is about the same as a movie studio. Yeah. More people get paid in the studio system. But um, I mean, it's all, I'm trying to think if there's, a, I mean, certainly not music. Obviously, the you know the exorbitant, insane amounts of money that are made in Silicon Valley are disproportionate to the labor. I mean, yeah, it's all pretty much terrible at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: So, so basically, so you good show, pick the Bill. Things. All right, I'm gonna go cry. Yeah. So you basically have to pick the things that you just truly enjoy the most. I mean, yeah, you can like whatever you want, but like uh, you know, you just have to pick the things that really that that bite you because in the end, you can find a reason to hate anything and. <laughs> Really, I, I with college football, I just have certain lines that I try not to cross, and that is government getting involved in football. Government's terrible as it is. I, I for like a year, I, I was trying to maintain a po- politics blog, and it just made me miserable. I, I I just I hated it so much. It just made me so angry every single day. Um, don't butt into my sport, uh, politicians. You're awful enough as it's. So um, I, I say that as somebody who's been, actually been trying to get a, a politician uh, to talk to me about a topic. Uh, Football related, so you know I'm I'm completely hip uh, I'm totally hypocritical, but this is gross in every way. Something can be gross. All right, we were
1: going through our uh, our pre show notes, and you, what is it about compensation that had you mad? You had that in our notes.
0: Well, this isn't this isn't actually quite as mad. Um, This is you know I've been talking about it more in um, on Twitter and whatnot. It's a topic that keeps coming back up. You know, this it's purely a, a conversation topic. I'm not actually completely mad about this one okay but we but we can we have what ten minutes left something in that neighborhood sure. before you well, gotta
1: we, yeah, we can scream, I mean okay. as, yeah if, if you do not get that mad i'll I'll shine it on
0: no, no, no I, I don't have any screaming to do, but maybe you do, so I'll try to bait you into screaming um That's so your favorite hobby <laughs> so I so you know it, it's come back it always comes back up um this time, I think partially because of the e a sports settlement that the the checks that kids are actually or former former kids i guess now are are getting um we, you know, this is the time of year. Like, well, no, it's. I guess it's the entire year is the time of year. Every time a coach gets a raise, and and you know, now it's Dabo this time around, you start to realize he's now making five, six, seven million dollars a year to coach a game where the kids get um, room and board and an education that might kind of suck, um, but they, but but that's it from the schools, um, and now the the cost of attendance stipend. So you know. We this has become such a hardcore argument that it's really hard to actually make progress with the argument. And this will be something I'm, that we'll probably have to talk about on a completely separate show. Maybe we'll find a guest for this. Um, but how in your perfect world we it, you know, most people now agree that 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 student athletes should make more than they are paid, whether whether we say it's a plantation or this or that or whatever rhetoric, rhetoric we want to use. Um, most of us now agree, at least in our corner of the internet, that students should be making more than they do. So for, I I, I kind of shared my opinion on Twitter this morning about like maybe the best approach, but what is your best approach for doing that? Or do you even agree? I think you agree, but you, I, you know. Do I'll I agree you, that people, that the players should be paid? That, that that somehow the players should be making more money than they currently do.
1: I wrote Bagman, dude.
0: That's true. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't. I didn't want to put words in your mouth. I started realizing I was saying, like, I'm talking for you. I'll let you talk. Go ahead. Uh, Well, no, I appreciate that, Bill.
1: Um, No, I. uh, No, I mean, hell, my one hit wonder status is built on the fact that there's an entirely corrupt compensation system going on that's that has sprung out of a black market demand for talent. The way you circumvent all of this, Um, I've always wondered why I was so interested in shows like Boardwalk Empire and Prohibition in general, because. As an inherently provincial person, I have no interest in places like New Jersey uh, in terms of their history, but I finally figured out that it's just a giant parable for what's going on right now in college football, which is something that I kind of live and die with. So um, yeah, no, hell yeah, they should be paid. I mean, there there should be, look, there should be universal health coverage because of the sheer violence of the sport. There should be a compensation structure that can either be, um, I mean, I don't care. At this point, I'll settle for anything. You know, I used to debate whether or not should it be should it be a stipend, should it be quarterly, should it be by the season, should it be paid every two weeks like everyone else? Should it be um, something that they can't touch until they graduate? At this point, I'll settle for any of that. Um, you know, likeness rights I think is a huge thing. The funny thing is, Bill, do you know what story? Like, I've been picking at just casually every freaking year I go to media days, and every freaking year since they banned the video game, I've asked kids. What do you think about the ban of that video game? And they all say the same thing. I really – I really sucks. Now they say this because it's been so long. It really sucks that I'm not in the video game. They – the kids, <laughs> if you would have sent them a freaking $250 check and a free copy of the game, they would have been fine. Yeah. Okay, because when you get down to likeness rights, the PS3 and the, the Xbox uh, 360 engines that were running the last incarnation of that video game – Yeah, it was your likeness. Absolutely. That would hold up in the court of law. But it wasn't much else other than like a really crappy facial rendering your jersey number and then your stats. And that's it. And then those some random kids, person would have
0: dreads that has never had dreads in real life. Yeah, That's those kids,
1: if you would have paid them a couple hundred bucks, if you would have found some way to, like, I don't know, hell, if EA had been smart enough to – and there was no reason for them to be this smart, okay, because necessity is the mother of invention and no one was making them do this, had they gone and, and created a scholarship fund that would fed into these universities with these kids, maybe maybe they could have stood on that. As far as compensation goes, it just – it the, the entire – we're going, to, we're going to hit the multi-billion dollar mark here soon, and the one thing propping up the entire cable TV industry right now, DirecTV, Time Warner, Bright House, Comcast, is live event programming. It's the only thing they have left. And the most potent, effective, successful form of live event programming in the United States of America is sports. The most popular sport in America is football, and the second biggest entity outside of the nfl which only has a finite amount of of resource of of inventory is college football college football provides an immense a much larger amount of of inventory compared to the nfl yes these kids should be paid hell yeah they should be paid no it's not going to change the sanctity of the sport now i will say this the logistics are hard it's not something i what scared what scared kind of alarmed me was people who supported our opinion inside of inside of the world of, the, uh, of college athletics have said yeah I, I would love to do it but the, he, like i've had numbers thrown at me that make it very difficult for this to happen but i'm tired of hearing that and i would just like to see someone try
0: yeah so um that's i get caught up like i have a couple like hard viewpoints that kind of mash it against each other and so I, it's really hard for me to figure out the logistics side of things like i i want i you know Compensation, I, I, am, I am for compensation, but on the, on the flip side of that, um, I, you know, in my head, the, the, the goal of the NCAA in my perfect little world, um, is to give as many opportunities to as many kids as possible to play sports, to get an education. Now there, there are a million things wrong with that. The education, if you get, you know, steered into certain, you know, classes, certain majors, then the education is very good. But, um, I love, you know, in my utopia, that's the major goal, and so if you start to pay, if 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 you, you start to give away some of this money to to the power conference players, then it maybe it hurts FCS, it hurts other levels of the sport where money could, in theory, one day in my perfect world, trickle down. So uh, this is like yeah. this is my little libertarian libertarian side where I'm living in a perfect world instead of the real one, but um, <laughs> but I, that's my vision, and it conflicts with this but what doesn't conflict with this is is kids being able to make money off their likeness. And what blow,
1: what yeah what blows my mind the most about this is that for all the political models that you can apply to college college athletes being compensated, this video game thing is is particularly insane because at this time the labor force itself is saying, yeah, I want to do this. I want let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And just from like a supply-demand market side in terms of like reimbursing the labor, it wasn't nearly the amount of money that it is now if you would have addressed this situation before it blew up. if you, I mean I, I'm saying this having talked to at least 100 kids about this over the last couple of years. If they had just gotten a free copy of the game in most instances, they would have not said a word.
0: <laughs> All right, that's so, what blows my mind. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, you, when you talk about, it, we'll, and again, we'll talk about this in in further detail. But like local endorsements, da da, 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 da. There are a lot of ways the kids can make more money. Yeah. And uh, it would be, you know, you know, you wouldn't run into Title Nine issues by doing it this way or anything like that. But now you have like five minutes left before you've got to go, and now I have to switch gears back to our last topic because Seth Emerson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution just posted. This is real time podcasting with a like a three hour delay, which is. Fantastically user friendly. Um, mm-hmm. South Emerson just passed. Uh, you know, two you, two Georgia recruits just got arrested. In mm-hmm. the past, Georgia police, nor, uh, UGA police, normally released incident slash arrest reports. I'm told this incident is going through UGA's open records office. <laughs> so there you go. Ooh. You want to see how this works? Like th- these are kind of pointless. You know, like, you know, guy had a BB gun. Like, pretty pretty small scale arrests in this case. But the I mean, overloaded. Is, uh,
1: yeah, the, the arrests themselves are. are- by the by, classic Georgia football arrests. They, they don't involve a scooter or a parking ticket yet, but I would I wouldn't hold out. You know that that that, that wasn't involved. I feel like a scooter or a parking ticket is involved in every Georgia <laughs> player problem. So, but if you want to see how that works? That's how that's how it can work to end the show. I, I don't know what they thought they were getting done. It just speaks to the hubris of the SEC and its member institutions and the fanaticisms, the fanaticism of of the people in SEC country and. I want, if you're listening to this in Oregon or Michigan or Massachusetts, in the past, as a Georgia born graduate of the SEC, me saying that, you probably, listener outside of the SEC, have interpreted me as complimenting, uh, complimenting and, and exalting the praises of, of, of the SEC culture when I say the level of fanaticism. I want to be 100% clear when I say that from kind of moving on from this point on. And it's not just the open records law. It's a lot of stuff. I've been in the sausage factory probably a little too long. When I say fanaticism, it's not a compliment in the SEC anymore. We are are entering into a brave, disgusting new world when it comes to the Southeastern Conference. And I don't know how we're all going to rectify this in a couple years. I'm not in a good mood. So I hate to leave this show. I mean, I hate to end the show like that. But it just blows my mind. People ask me, like, why, why do you guys want to talk for 45 minutes about Wyoming? Because I don't need to take a shower afterwards. That's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, you got to go. So I'm going to use that as, ex- as an excuse to not go down another road about satellite camps. But that was, that was the SEC just throwing a fit about We didn't even to that. get to touch satellite camps this week,
1: Bill. Now, I will say this. Every, every one of our colleagues has hit this every different way possible. Um, I did talk to Bud Elliott, our head of recruiting at SB Nation. We do want to have Bud back on the show to talk about this, um, and we will try and find a more unique way of doing so. Um, If you want to hear about satellite camps, I think every other college podcast that is available right now is talking about that. So, yes, we have opinions. Yes, you can probably guess what they are, um, but we can jump into that actually next week if you want.
0: That's fine, yeah. I I I do find it funny, like, recruit, recruiting analysts, people who, like, who I know who work for rivals and whatnot, are all like, this wasn't a big deal before until the SEC made it a big deal. Um, and it's not even that big, like, g- keeping them, d- ditching them, it's not a big deal either way, but this, I, I what I hate about it is the dance. Like, because the SEC made this part of the dance, we had to go through this entire routine where we hear opinions from everybody, and then the NCAA has to make a ruling, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Anyway, anyway uh, happy... Happy Easter Michigan Day, everybody. <laughs> Whew.